Pharma Ventures, the deal experts. Welcome to the Pharma Ventures podcast, where we talk to the experts about all things deal related in healthcare and beyond. On today's episode, I'm joined by Rafe Hughes, Vice President at Pharma Ventures, and we're going to be talking about pricing, market access in the current environment, where, with a bit of volatility and other things that are going on, wondering what the impact is. Uh, Rafe, welcome. Hi, Adrian. I mentioned volatility. Um, we've all seen you know, SVB. That kind of came and went very quickly, as it turned out. But then there's Credit Suisse. Uh, we've seen a lot of pressure on the markets and people struggling to raise money. One might think that this doesn't have a lot to do with pricing and market access. Is there any impact? It, it's an interesting question, Adrian. Obviously, a lot of this volatility affects you know, financing available, particularly at the early stage of, of deal development, of, of deals and development and so on. But I think what we're starting to see a lot more is companies who are acquiring assets or investors as well, looking to de-risk that development. You know, there's a, there, there is a lot of volatility around. And it, as a response to volatility, reducing risk is a very, is a very common behavior. So we see a lot more companies who are acquiring assets looking to de-risk their, their development. And one of the biggest risks in, in any kind of forecast is, is price, is access. You know, are you going to be able to get your, your asset onto the market um, and at a decent price? And as we've seen um, in a recent trend, it's getting harder and harder to, to get a good price in the market. So doing that analysis early on to make sure that when you do eventually come to market, that you're likely to get a good get a good price would be would be really helpful. So you you said early on there. I mean, who is it that cares about doing it early on? Because well, it matters when you get to the end and you're going to sell it. But does it matter when you're spending VC money early on um, developing it? Um, because not until you've done the science and know how good it is, do you know what you're going to get out the other end? Well, that's true. We should be led by the science, but VCs also want an exit. And if they're going to get an exit, they're going to sell to a company that is going to try and, you know, to a pharma company, for example, who is going to try and get, get that product onto, onto the market. So it is important to make sure you've considered this stuff really early on because, you know, there are many, many, many companies out there, many small biotech developers, possibly more now than ever have been in the past, all competing for the same pot of money. So the onus has kind of shifted from the, the pharmaceutical companies being able to demonstrate that they're going to get pricing and, uh, pricing and access to now the developer. You know, it's just like we see in other markets. I'm, I'm thinking, for example, like the music industry. You know, the, it's, it's, it's all about the, the artist now has to demonstrate um, and sell and do a lot more work up front before they get a record deal. And it's similar here. The small biotech has to make themselves look a lot better than they used to in order to stand out from the crowd. And one way of doing that is making sure that the, the pharmaceutical company they're selling their asset to or partnering their asset to is able to see how the commercial value is going to be realized. In times past, it used to be the case that you did your best science mm-hmm. and got it to, in hopefully into the clinic usually was... was um, uh, with v- with VC money, mm-hmm. typically, uh, and if you didn't, farmer would say, um, "Come back when you've got clinical data, and then we'll be interested in it." And that still happens to a certain extent today. Do you think they're going to be start adding into that? Come back when you've got clinical data, and you know what price and market access your market access position is. Um, that's going to be a, a flagged up as a gap in the the data pack that 
pharma want biotech to provide? Absolutely. Um, sitting on the other side of the fence, you know, I used to work uh, before I came to Pharma Ventures, I used to work for um, pharmaceutical companies. And that was one of the first questions we asked. Have you done some payer research? Do you know what the price is likely to be? The market access environment is likely to be. It's a buyer's market right now. Companies need to make themselves look good from a commercial perspective. They need to stand out from the, from the crowd. Um, pharmaceutical companies have seen all the shiny new technologies, but those shiny new technologies are risky. And in a market like this, making sure that a logical, clear value story can be told from end to end um, is really important to make sure that those companies will see a return on investment. So, so yes, I think alongside your clinical data, you need to understand the market. And one, mm -hmm. of, the, one of the main factors of understanding the market is, is pricing and market access. And I think we often talk about pricing as, as the main thing, but access is equally important, or, or at least access at a certain price is equally important, because are payers even willing to pay for a certain indication? I'm thinking of a, a, an asset, for example, that has maybe quite low burden of illness, is quite complicated to, deli to deliver, would payers even care about that at all? So actually trying to work out what price you can charge is kind of irrelevant because they might not even approve it. So actually understanding payer attitudes alongside price is, is just as important as price on its own. So I'm, I'm a small biotech, say, and, and uh, I've got to go and raise VC money. And like a lot of small biotechs and into, you know in new innovative biotechs i've got some i've got some cool science um it's going to do great things for patients and i need to develop it so i need to go and raise some money and i focus on uh it's going to take me this much to to cost me this much to do my preclinical studies and get to ind and then uh i think it's going to cost me this much to raise a phase one to do a phase one study and here i'm going to have these people in all my overhead so i need to raise this amount of money or you know, 20 million or something. I don't think it's common that that the biotechs factor in um, and I need to get pricing and market access worked out. I need to get understand my regulatory position. I need to stand understand the value of the asset. And I don't I'm not going to have the people in there. So I I need to to sue, um have line items in my my business plan for those things. Two part question. A should should they be including those and 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 should VCs be recognizing that these should be line items that need to go into a good business plan um, in order to get the end point? Because at the end of the day, those things, those those items doing that kind of work, whether you do it by bringing an internal person in or whether you come to Pharma Ventures or another another advisory house and get it done, it's costing tens of thousands to maybe low hundreds of thousands to do that pitched against the cost of not doing it and running a phase one trial that costs 10 million and then you've done the wrong phase one because you didn't a, a mile on the right track here <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm totally totally right and and actually more and more vc investors i i speak to are interested in getting this type of analysis they're not talking about a full you know as you mentioned several hundred thousand pounds um, pricing and access study but they do want to understand even pre-investment and and we all know the sort of spray and pray vc sort of approach at least certain vcs you know even even some of those are interested in in having a quick understanding of is our pricing and access um, considerations important here if they are then maybe they want to go deeper and maybe they want to dig into it so they're absolutely getting in on the party quite early on to understand what the pricing and access situation is. 
uh, I was speaking to a um, a client, uh, one of Pharma Ventures' clients recently, um, who said that they're, and, and this is very early, this is preclinical, and they were saying that one of their investors was getting very hot under the collar about the pricing of their supportive care asset. So they had this asset that supports uh, an oncology asset, and they were getting very, very um, concerned about their exit because of price. And I think that's really important. And, we, and I saw that again for talking to another client about doing some payer research because they were looking at an indication that they weren't even sure payers would be reimbursing, let alone what kind of price they could charge. So there's kind of two levels of analysis that you might need to do at an early stage. One is very, very detailed to try to understand what the price is and to try to understand or at least what realm or what ballpark your price is. But there's also a fairly quick and and, and high-level analysis, which will just tell you, is this worth it? Is there any point? Now, from an investor point of view, I think that's fair enough because they want to understand which of the hundred or more assets they're looking at to invest in. But for for a single asset company whose livelihood depends on getting getting this product through, um, it's not so much is this a pass or a fail? It's more, how do we develop this asset? How do we get the right outcomes uh, in our clinical trial that are likely to achieve market access? So understanding those hurdles really early on, what will the payers make of this type of trial, that type of outcome, those type of comparators, the burden of illness, you name it. Understanding that early on will make you infinitely more saleable to a large pharmaceutical company because they can see the logic of how we're going to develop this asset and therefore how it's going to make it into the market. Is there an element here of, of again, your, your experience would will be, be really helpful here because um, you've sat on both sides of the table and you understand how the, 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 the payers think and work. Um, is it like the regulators, if you go to them with a, a proposal and say, this is what I'm going to do. So you go to a regulator and say, this is how I'm going to do my clinical trial. Do you think that's okay? And the regulator will go either, yes, that's adequate, or no, you need to go away and think again, you haven't covered X or Y off. And you have to go and then think again and resubmit. And they'll go, okay, now we're happy. We think this will deliver what you're, you're expecting to deliver. Or you, you, you can test against the endpoints based on the, the design. If you go to a payer and say, there's an element of leading the witness here, here. I'm targeting this indication, and I'm going to do this, will I get this price? If they say, if they, they, they can either say, oh yeah, that looks fine, uh, no, never in a million years, or are they, I don't want to use the word savvy, because they, they are smart people, are they experienced enough, or have enough exposure to say, oh, no, actually, what I would do is don't go for indication A, go for indication B, because your science is, is better placed. There. Do they give any insight like that, or is it down to the, the company to go more like a regulated, I, I will only say I like it, I don't like it? We're talking about two different approaches here to mm. get those insights. So one is speaking to payers or ex-payers or uh, cons- payer consultants or experts. Um, and speaking to them, you'll get, you'll definitely get advice. Don't go into that, you know, don't go down that first line treatment. There's so many generics, you're never going to get that, that, that type of positioning. 
Uh, you're never going to get a good price in that indication. Go for the second line positioning or, or whatever. I'm giving a very simple example there, but but that's that's the idea. You'll get that advice, um, and you know, farmer ventures can can facilitate that 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 kind of interaction. The other type of interaction is more like the kind of regulator interaction where you can go and you can get early advice from payers like uh, in the UK from NICE or, or from the, the GBA in Germany and so on. And you can go and speak to them and say, have I got the right comparators in my trial? Am I measuring the right type of outcomes? And if I do all that, am I likely to get a certain price? Now, they're not going to answer that second question. (laughs) They're not going to tell you whether you're going to get a good price, but they are going to tell you, is your program set up in the way that meets the the rules that they have set down? And rather like regulators, they're very rules focused. Mm -hmm. There is a a process, there are ways in which they can do it. And I think people often characterize it as, oh, it's very kind of negotiation. I, I give a little here, give a little there. But certain payers, now that may be true of some payers, but some payer bodies are very focused on the rules. If it doesn't meet certain rules and certain criteria, then you're not getting a price, you're not getting access. So understanding the rules of the game are extremely important. The other thing just to mention as we're talking about regulators is just because it's good for a regulator, it does not mean it's good for the payer. What's good for the goose is not good for the gander, as they say. So, you know, a regulator might say it's acceptable to achieve a two-point decrease on a certain uh, biomarker Mm -hmm. or score. But a payer doesn't care about that. A payer doesn't care if you've achieved a two-point reduction on a visual analog scale what they care about is the impact on quality of life on a patient uh, any kind of hard endpoints like mortality or morbidity um, cure uh, whatever it might be um, and then the costs associated with that so does it get you out of hospital quicker so does it get stop you needing ongoing visits to the hospital uh, does it require does it get you out of a wheelchair that you know th- th- those kind of things so understanding the endpoints that are important to payers is very 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 important because they will likely be different from what the regulators want um, so i think that's something really important that a lot of developers don't necessarily think about and i think the the goalposts have moved it's not enough to just talk talk about talk to the regulators now you need to talk to payers too now, again, we keep coming up against the argument that we only need to do that much further down the line. But imagine you've got to the end of your, or to the middle of your, or to the beginning, even the beginning of your phase three, locked in your protocol, you're about to begin, and then suddenly someone says, should we speak to some payers? And all of a sudden, you've got to be measuring uh, quality of life endpoints. You've got to be measuring time in hospital. You know, this is adding cost, it's adding difficulty, and it's adding more risk to your to your phase three. If you'd already measured that in phase two or phase one, then you know that it's likely to be effective in that space, or you've got some work around. So yeah, I think it is really important. And I think it's 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 similar in some ways to the regulatory conversation, but also it has its own nuances. That brings me right back around again to the, the, the sort of earlier comments we were making about, about VCs and raising money and not just raising money to do science because if you don't have an appreciation of what not just the regulators 
want, but the payers want, and you don't design your programs accordingly, you design them to satisfy the regulators and you raise money to, to achieve those programs, you could be having that payer conversation and they say, oh, no, 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 no. We want to see this and this and this. And then you find, I don't have the money to do that because mm. I didn't ask for enough because we all didn't appreciate it and neither did the VCs. Mm. And the only way you're going to do that, presumably, is get into the conversation earlier, at least have some understanding. So if the very worst happens, if it all goes wrong, you've got a farmer partner alongside you already who didn't appreciate it went wrong and you've already signed the deal, <laughs> right. which, which is not a great outcome, I, <laughs> I agree. But but again, from both from a, an effective use of VC funds, an effective use of development time and cost, doing justice to the science mm. to get to a, 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 a good drug at the end that people are going to pay for, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Talk early. I would have thought so. Factoring in decent market and analytics, you factor in regulatory, you, f- you know, factor in building a valuation, uh, you factor in all this, all these elements, and adding in some payer research or, or you know, understanding your price and access is a, is a, a very small chunk of change compared to the millions being spent on clinical trials. In a sense, it's an insurance policy, you know, hmm. um, but which you take out against making sure that those clinical trials are going to be useful uh, when when you come to partner the asset, but also when your partner comes to try and get it into market. You're listening to the Pharma Ventures podcast with me, Adrian Dorks, and Rafe Hughes, Vice President of Pharma Ventures, where we're talking about pricing, market access, the complexities, and the different levels of information you need at different stages of development. Do you think there's, there's it, it will come to pass, it we're not there today, inflection points in terms of value of, of an asset or a company, you normally see those when you hit a clinical point or you you know you hit IND or you finish preclinical or you get into phase two and then the value of the company goes up um, and obviously the value of the investment goes up and it's easier to get more investment. That's kind of how the model works. Is there a case for, for saying it adds value to the company if I've got all these things worked out? My company is worth more than if I hadn't done that. It increases the probability of getting a deal, I think, because you're you're a more complete thing. You know the commercials, you know the the, the technicals, you know the regulators, and whether that's pricing or, or or ordinary regulation. Will the various stakeholders start to view companies, and again, this is speculation, um, as that's a more valuable company than that one because they know more than they know? I think there's a few elements to this. One is it helps you get your foot in the door. If you're a pharma company, you're more likely to be interested and talk to a company that knows more, you know, that, that, that can talk more effectively and completely about their um, assets. And as someone who sat on the other side and assessed assets, um, I was much more likely to favor those, those companies that had done a bit of work um, and, and understood the price, the price. So I think that's that's the first thing. It does add value because if you can demonstrate a really strong value story, it adds an enormous amount of value because it gives everybody confidence. It know you you know if you're if you have have done the analysis and then your partner repeats the analysis and shows the same same results, then we uh, we both have an, an aligned view on value 
and that just gives confidence to every every side of the deal and 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 will definitely increase the value um, of the of of the partnership. I think w- recently I've seen a lot of examples of people who've done standard you know discounted cash flow models or MPV valuations, and then they they realize once they've finished that their analysis on pricing just wasn't good enough. So they have this idea of value, but then they've got this this great big hole in their model, which has a massive impact on the value. I mean, the the value in a, in a a valuation hinges on the size, you know, the market share and the price. I mean, there are other factors, but those are those are the two kind of core ones when it comes to actually the commercial value of, of, of something once it's in the market. And so little is known about this black box of pricing that actually they've come back to us and said, you know, they come back to Pharma Ventures and said, look, we've done this DCF, this 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 valuation model. But there's this, but we've got the pricing wrong, or we don't understand the pricing. So we need to, we need a little bit of work just to kind of beef that out. So I think, I think making sure that you, you, you've done that, and you know, as as Pharma Ventures, I think we would often, I mean, not in every case, but we would often say, do a bit of pricing work alongside your valuation, not only because doing them together is a little bit cheaper, um, but also because uh, it, it enhances the 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 valuation and makes it clearer and gives you more confidence and increases the value of the, of the deal and confidence is the name of the game right it's all about increasing confidence right the deal in the model in the valuation to use a more a scientific term you know to, to to reduce the confidence intervals around a deal increases the the value you said do a bit of work on pricing what do you mean? Is it, let's go look at some comps? Because uh, there's, there's prices for drugs out there. You could just look at those, couldn't you? Is, is that enough? Or is it a bit more than that? Looking at comparators, you know, that's kind of the, the typical way to, to inform pricing very early on. And that's fine insofar as it goes. But what you don't get alongside that, so what, what, what you get if you look at some comparators is you say, okay, our price is the same, our drug is the same as these other drugs that have a, maybe a similar market share or a similar price. But it could be a totally different indication. It could be um, we don't know what kind of restrictions they have alongside that, that price. Uh, sorry, yes, exactly, alongside that price. So they could be restricted to a very small subset of the market. But we haven't done any analysis to understand whether that's, whether that's true or not. We don't know what their market share is. We don't know all kinds of factors which will influence whether it is, in fact, a good comparator or not, and whether your asset will achieve the same, the same results. The efficacy or, you know, particularly if you're looking at comparators within the same indication, I've got to assume that your drug is going to do a bit better than that other drug, or one would certainly hope that your drug will do a bit better in terms of its clinical profile. So you're sort of doing yourself a bit of a disservice by just looking at the comparator, because you know, what about that efficacy? Efficacy adds to value, it adds to price, or safety you know, also adds to price. So, so making sure that you can factor that kind of thing in, whether you do that through talking to payers and, and presenting a target product profile that shows how, how yours is better versus comparators, or whether you, do, you build an, uh, a model that, that again makes that comparison explicit. But the comparator is very, very, very important. So the comparator, like, like in many areas, what is recognized as value in the market at the moment. 
So anything that you're bringing on top of that has to demonstrate some improvement in order to, to, to get an improvement. So we need to consider the comparators. They're very important, but it's only one part of the conversation. It's actually a much broader conversation about value and about understanding what that value is. And that can be done in, in many different ways. I guess we're getting down to the, the, the nuances of price and willingness to pay that mm. price um, and what, what evidence is that? Because you can, you can go with any price you like, I guess, um, and you'll get a, a range of responses from payers. Um, if, it's, if it's too high for what it delivers, they're going to say no. Um, but is there, a, is there a ground or is this, does this come out of dialogue um, where if you want to go in at a higher price, then you go third or fourth line. Uh, do, you, do you articulate that and say, I'm going to go in fourth line in this oncology setting, but I want to charge this. And it's got more like to be re- re- accepted by payers because there's cheaper drugs first and there's only a small number of patients. And then the, the, the benefit that you're demonstrating is, is viable. Mm. Um, or do they, does it go, I want to charge this for it, then we're only going to give you fourth line. It, it, it varies. So, right. I mean, the first thing to say is that you're right. Pricing and positioning are inextricably linked. So where you are in the market versus other drugs determines how high or low your price needs to be. So if you're comparing and you want first line where there are lots of cheap generics, you're going to need to be competitive with those cheap generics unless you've got outstanding efficacy that blows everything else out of the water it's very unlikely that you'll be put first line in almost any area now you know there are so many drugs and the development's been going on for so long that there are very few areas where there are isn't a first line generic available i mean rare diseases is probably one of the one of the few one of the few spaces um so yeah i'm um, getting your positioning right um is is vital for for pricing but to answer the sort of second part of your question, it depends on the payer. So do you suggest a price and they say yes or no? Or do, you, or do they tell you you need to meet these kind of requirements in order to get this kind of price? So in the US, for example, uh, you can go in with, you know, you, you get your FDA approval, you go in with a price, and then you go and have a, and, you, and you say, this is our list price. And then you have a negotiation around that price. And then the price goes from list to net. Uh, in, in other words, there is a discount applied. And that's the, the value at which you or your partner as a company sells that asset to, to, to those payers. Be those pharmacy networks, insurers, uh, pharmacy benefit managers, whatever. In a completely different way, but you have the same situation in the UK, for example, where you they have free pricing so you say this is the price we're going to charge the national institute for health and care excellence in the uk will then do a uh, health economic model and have a whole negotiation about whether that price is okay or not you may have to have a discount or they may say no that price is no good come back with a different price so so there are there's a negotiation in other systems there is it's more this is a, this is the highest price that you you can that you can get. So there's a cap essentially on pricing, and it's all about the negotiations. So I'm thinking Spain. I'm thinking Italy. Um, the price is negotiated. There is no such thing as this is our price, and therefore there is a discount off it. That the price is just straight up negotiated. You know, companies will then put a public price out there, which often bears very little 
resemblance to the real price, but uh, they just want to make sure because you have systems like international reference pricing where you know companies uh, sorry countries will reference other countries in order to bring down that list price uh, and in turn bring down the net price as well so the, the, there's lots of dynamics that, that, that are very important um, how important that stuff is you know the the, the exact mechanics of, of, of that uh, at a very early stage it's important to have an appreciation for that so that you can kind of understand uh, where your type of asset is likely to get good price versus versus other other places but yeah i mean you you as a developer don't need to understand all that but but you know speak to a good expert like pharma ventures who does understand all that and 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 you can get you can get some really helpful and interesting insights and coming back to the point we made earlier it's about the rules the rules of these systems are such that making sure that you you understand and follow certain rules and which rules you can test you know at stretch uh, which rules are hard and fast determine and, and and how your product will relate to those rules will determine how high your price can be sort of boiling it down that there, there, there's multiple levels of of complexity and quantity quality of information that you need on the continuum of a of a drug or device development pathway um but from what you're saying it seems the 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 innovators and the developers would be best advised to gain an appreciation of price and access as early as possible and factor in having the funds to be able to acquire this whether through hiring an individual who can do it or going to an advisory company such as pharma ventures to to get that expertise maybe for your vc part to make sure you can evidence that this thing is going to get there and you're going to be able to sell it at the end of the day as you progress through and and develop your asset um you're going to need a a slightly more sophisticated um level of information um on on all that you will have it for your science um you'll need it for your regulatory pathway but you'll also need it for your, your pricing and market access pathway and that having that complete technical commercial sort of package of of information a improves your chances of getting a deal with a farmer and b probably increases the perceived value of your your company or your asset and then of course when you get right up the other end whether that's with or without a partner you're going to need a, a another level of information on and again on all those fronts so people should right from the get-go be factoring this in both from a need both from a um, having access to the expertise and having funds to pay for it as well Definitely. I think for the VCs, they want to be secure in their exit. So being able to give them confidence that the price is going to be achievable so that the deal is going to be achievable is important. So VCs want to be secure in their exit. So being able to demonstrate that the price and the access is achievable is vital because they know they've done enough deals they know that when you're trying to sell an asset or partner an asset to a pharmaceutical company that's one of the first questions they'll ask the pharmaceutical companies want to make sure that they have confidence that when they bring their their product to the market they're going to be able to get that price and access because they're the ones that get it in the teeth they're the ones that that have to have to face this stuff and we often want to tell a simple story. So we often want to say, well, 
we know that there's this very high price drug in the market. Um, and therefore, we're just going to peg ourselves to that price. Nice, simple, comparable story. But pharmaceutical companies know that this stuff is not simple. They know that it's complicated, there are nuances, there are rules, there are different ways in which you can get to a price and get to good access. So telling them a very simple story and saying, oh, it's easy, we'll just link it to this price, they're not going to believe you because they know that that, um, that that is not the case. And it damages your credibility if you can't talk and understand the complexity around pricing. And to some extent, it, it belittles the, the, the work that the pharmaceutical company has to do in order to get it into the market. So I think that piece is actually very, very important because having, having assessed BD opportunities for a pharmaceutical company, and I hear a, uh, a, a small biotech coming in and saying, oh, we're just going to peg it to this price. I'm already thinking, oh, do these guys really know what they're talking about? And it damages my confidence and it damages the credibility. So I think doing enough work that you understand it and you understand the complexities and you understand what those pharmaceutical companies have to go to in order to get that price on, on the market, I think is really important um, because it improves the probability of a deal, but also your credibility. Right, I think that's that's a great summary of uh, both the complexity and the importance of getting an understanding of of pricing and market access and the stages at which you need the, the different levels of information. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Adrian, and uh, great to be here again. For more information on other Pharma Ventures podcasts, go to www.pharmaventures.com forward slash podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. Pharma Ventures, the deal experts.